So here I am on Friday Night Smackdown, being the hardest working woman in the industry. Now, now, I know what you're thinking. Charlotte, how is it possible that you're working all three brands? Well, the answer is simple. The numbers were crunched. The conclusion was clear. People want more Charlotte Flair. So, of course, Fox used the brand-to-brand invitation to have me here tonight. I mean, I'm 5'10". I'm blonde. I'm a superior athlete. I know I'm forgetting something. Oh, and my last name is Flair. Not to mention that I won five of my 12 title reigns here on SmackDown. I mean, I'm actually surprised there's not a giant picture hanging right here of me to inspire all the competitors that step through these ropes. The greatest, the queen, Charlotte Flair. Oh, had a feeling something like this was going to go down. Uh, well, I guess the Fox executives, you know, obviously got a thing for blondes or they're like all the other sheep out there. They just go crazy because you're Ric Flair's daughter, right? Woo! <laughs> Woo! Come on, Michael. Woo! Woo! You know better than anyone that a champion's got to do what a champion's got to do to get the job done, right? I know you're just really mad because that night, the last time we saw each other, was when I became the first and only women's Grand Slam champion in the WWE. Boom! Roasted! <laughs> so, why don't you go back to NXT, you know, give all the young hopefuls someone to look up to. You know you're the queen, dude. Or, or, you go back to Monday Night Raw and you can beat Liv Morgan over and over again for all I care. Because this is SmackDown. This is our show. show. The leaders, the role models, and I am the greatest, most dominant SmackDown women's champion in history. Bailey, 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 Bailey. Some things never change. Sasha made you relevant when you were the NXT women's champion. And now she's the only reason. You're the SmackDown Women's Champion. Excuse me. Hmm. Excuse me. We main evented the first Raw together. We main evented the first pay-per-views together. You're a six-time Women's Champion, a future Hall of Famer, the boss, the blueprint, the standard. And, And you're telling me that you're content standing in Bailey's corner? That you're content being an afterthought? Man, Shirley, shut the hell up. An egomaniac like you would never understand a friendship like this, Can right? someone in the truck please cut Bailey's mic? Please? Someone? So, so, Miss Banks can talk? You know what? Enough talk. Because now I'm ready to fight. What do you say, huh? Champion versus champion. Hmm. 
You know, now that I think about it, I'm, I'm sure Fox would love to have me on their show again. So, challenge accepted. But I have, no, no, I have one question. What, Charlotte? You've taken up too much time already. The question isn't for you. So please move out of my, move out of my way. Please. Are you your own woman? Or are you just going to be Bailey's lackey and happy being an afterthought?
Welcome, everybody, to episode 206 of the Hoops Podcast. It is Thursday, May 21st, 2020, on this day of May 21st. And every day throughout the calendar year is great to somebody around the world. So hope you guys are in good spirits. But also, I am biased to a certain extent. I think May is the best month of the year. But uh, on this day, on May 21st, 2017, I was fortunate to be in attendance for a very special moment. A moment that doesn't get its proper due. The coronation of the modern-day Maharaja... (laughs) Jinder Mahal yes. being Orton yes. <laughs> at Backlash 2017. And by the way, a little plug-in, we're on the road to Black Backlash 2020 yeah. in a yeah. couple of weeks. On that note, welcome everybody to the Hoots Podcast. It's yours truly, Josh Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast, Instagram, Joshy Lopez94, J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez94. Also check out Josh Lopez Music on Instagram if you'd like to see me play some guitar covers. And um, you know, I'm getting I'm so back in the groove now. Like all these calluses that I had from high school, they're all back. <laughs> and I feel like I'm back playing wise where I was in high school. So that's a good thing. And um wanna thank you guys so much for the continued support. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Uh, more importantly, we want to get some feedback for the podcast positively or negatively. Uh, negatively uh, leave us a four or five star review on Apple Podcasts. And um, anytime we do these prediction shows or anything like that, you can reach out to myself or Brother Carter and give give us your predictions for uh, these shows that we predict. For example, on this week's episode, we are predicting the matches for the show of nothing that contains double. And uh, <laughs> that's going to take place this Saturday in Jacksonville, yeah, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're just doing the ant thing. It's kind of my feelings towards this pay-per-view on Saturday, but we'll get into that <laughs> later on at the end of the show. Uh, also, we'll get into what's going on this week in WWE. As always, I also want to add in some stuff that I've been taking away from watching um, NWA and MLW, kind of like a little pro wrestling report, if you will. Uh, (laughs) And um, we're going to start off this week's podcast with The Last Dance and give our final thoughts on that wonderful series. Um, But before we get started, a couple last final plugs. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, your hub for everything professional wrestling shows. It's a point of reference uh, website for you guys to see what's going on in shows just in case you weren't able to watch it live or you just don't have cable either that or internet you never know what the situation is so <laughs> check out pro wrestling and um i appreciate it for everybody and with that said i am not alone this week uh blessed to have the brother of all good brothers the one and only brother carter what's going on man what's going on josh good to see you as always good to see all of the Hoots pod, the podcast that Hoots followers. Glad to be with you guys uh, this week. Uh, you know, it, it's been a crazy week in the world of of professional wrestling and, and and sports in general. We'll get onto all that. You know, you were mentioning at the beginning of the show, Josh, that uh, you're mentioning that every day is important for somebody and all that stuff. It should also be noted that every day is Rusev Day, and we're going to get into that in uh, in just a in just a small little. Uh, a small little teaser for a little bit later on in the show. 
But uh, glad to be here. Glad to be ready to talk some wrestling. Uh, so a couple quick plugs from myself, if I may do so. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Derek Stoughton. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Derrico06. Just definitely check that out. Uh, that'll be good. Uh, also, check out all my stuff on WrestlingRumors.net. I just wrote an opinion piece. I just finished it this morning uh, talking about why I believe that AEW is proving that WWE is the best wrestling company in the world. And I know that's going to – I know I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've officially committed wrestling tyranny and all of my credibility as a wrestling journalist uh, has been thrown out the window because I actually I actually said something negative about AEW. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But glad to be here, Josh, and uh, let's get started. And for those who are watching this on YouTube right now, both myself and Barry Carter are rocking um, the cuts of hair. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. that. And um, it's, yeah, I got I got my haircut literally like a couple hours after we recorded the show last week. Uh, Brett Carr, you got, I saw you got your haircut the other day. I did, a, I did on a Monday. Uh, you know, as uh, in Louisiana, things opened up again, and salons opened up at uh, at, you know what we had. There was two people allowed in the shop per time uh, to get their haircut, so I had to book my appointment online. Uh, it was a three hours uh, after I booked my appointment online before I could get in. Yes. So, now, of course, I went and did other things, and that's fine. But uh, yeah, but it, it was good to know. I, I feel a lot better. I hadn't gone in four months, and it was starting to look uh, starting to look a little um, hipster ish. But uh, now I'm feeling good. I'm feeling rocking it. I'm, I'm I've, I've now got my corporate look back, and uh, we're good to go. You have the director of operations mugs. I I just got this. That's so, right. I, put on, I, I do have my director of operations water glass. I'll have to go get that at some point. Yes, sir. You know, I have a nominee for the list of Derek that we're going to get to for AEW later on, and I'll, I'll tell you why later on. Uh, <laughs> but, but let's start off with sports, actually. This is not only just a uh, pro wrestling podcast you're listening to right now, but uh, we have a lot of stuff that we dive into, and I think in a couple of weeks we're going to really have like a music episode. You don't know when it's going to be. It's gonna just drop, and we're gonna talk music, and it's gonna be fun for you guys. But um, yeah, one thing I've always wanted to do, Josh, with you is is do um, you know, when we get in the music episode, I want to talk some of the greatest wrestling themes of all time, because I, I mean, I really believe that a theme song makes or breaks a character. I mean, there's just just no. I mean, you think about some of the most iconic characters of all time, and their theme music radiates with you as as some of the greatest. You know, it radiates with you as some of the best theme music of all time. So, but we'll get into that another time. Yeah, and you think about music, you think of Sirius from the Alan Parsons Project when you think of Michael Jordan. Yeah. That whole intro for the Bulls when they came out during that era, just it's still their intro to this day. But um, that really fit not only that team, but Michael Jordan, just the vibe of the, the blaring, like, you know, there was flange sounds into the editing process, you know, reverb, a lot of different elements into that song. Uh, I think they use a synthesizer, mm-hmm. synthesizer in the in the song. And um it's just it's just a lot of fun looking back from the last dance and the series just concluded this past Sunday. Um kind of bum out. I wish there was some more um episodes and stuff we could dive into, but um you know, I, for the most part, really appreciated the things that I was able to learn through this process because when the last dance actually happened, I was four years old, and that was my first year of watching the NBA. Um, obviously, past that time, I'll be able to understand it better, but, like, 
I, I, you know, that's that era passed me by. Unfortunately, I was born in '94. That was the year Michael Jordan was in baseball, and Scottie Pippen was the MVP until uh, he decided he didn't want to be a leader at certain occasions. In um, it's, I, I, I'm very as a Chicago sports fan and a guy who was born um, in a in a neighborhood that's literally like ten minutes away from the United Center. Um, it's a very uh, – it's really cool to see how big of a spotlight this series had at the national level. And uh, I am a sucker, just, be, just being part of the media business, I'm a sucker of, like, the B-roll clips of the outside footage of the United Center or anytime they're scrolling through the tunnels of the United Center and the backstage area. You know, us wrestling fans always – Craig to see stuff in the gorilla position and all this other stuff before major matches happen. It's the same thing here for me with sports, just to see how uh, Michael Jordan's preparing for uh, game seven against the Indiana Pacers in the Easter conference finals. And you don't know if that's his last game or not. <laughs> right. And he's, and he's talking, and it's very interesting that a guy like Ahmad Rashad was so, had so much access to him. You don't see that today with uh, other reporters like that. Right. Where they literally could just hang out in locker rooms like nothing and just have general conversations. And, um, you know, I, I loved every bit of this uh, Last Dance documentary series. And, um, you know, have people been uh, – getting haven't got the – uh, proper due. I, I don't know. I mean, Michael said right off in the beginning that you can't say Michael Jordan without bringing up Scottie Pippen. There's no Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. And there's reports now that Scottie was not happy with how he was portrayed in this uh, series. Uh, Horace Grant recently appeared on ESPN 1000 on the David Kaplan show uh, saying that Michael Jordan was a snitch because Michael was accusing him for being a snitch with the Jordan rules situation that they touched on in the series. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of stuff to process, but just as a Chicago sports fan, I want to thank Jason Hare and everybody involved with this uh, series because I learned a lot and um, it, it makes me feel I, – I feel bummed out that I wasn't able to really enjoy this as this was happening. You, <laughs> on the other hand, were able to live this. So uh, as this thing concluded, what was your thoughts on it? Well, it, it's funny. You know, you talked about, yes, I did – I was alive during this era, but I wasn't a basketball fan back then. So I just – I knew who Michael Jordan was, and I knew, obviously, who, who Scottie Pippen was. And I had heard those names, but – I had never, I didn't really watch basketball. I didn't really, so I, I, I didn't really fully appreciate what the Bulls legacy and dynasty really was until right. the documentary came out and just how dominant of a player Michael Jordan was compared to everybody else in the league, even more so than, you know, than Bird and, and, and Magic Johnson and, and Isaiah Thomas, Reggie Miller, all those guys. You know who are all, all 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 Hall of Famers and rightfully so and had incredible careers, but Jordan was here. Everybody else was here. You know, I'm like it just it wasn't close. So that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. You know, it's it's, it's interesting. You know, it's it's amazing to me that they shot this footage. They they had live shots of this footage, but we didn't see it for 20 years. 
And then it was finally all put together in this 20 years later, which I thought was just incredible how they put that all together. And uh, I agree with you. Congratulations to Jason Ayer. I, I definitely think this should win, win an Emmy. I, I, mean, I, th- I think it's, it's easily the best sports documentary I've ever seen. It was absolutely incredible how well produced it was, how they at just at the right moment, they went back in time and shared the stories of, you know, Scotty Pippen, Steve Kerr. I didn't realize that Steve Kerr was on the, was on that team. Like, I know that seems crazy now because, but again, I wasn't a basketball fan back then. It wasn't until a little bit later in my life that I became an NBA fan really over the last four or five years is when I really started getting into the NBA. And, uh, you know, Steve Kerr obviously had that incredible run with the Golden State Warriors and is going to be heralded as a great coach. But I didn't realize he, he was a key part of the Bulls last couple of championships wins. So I thought that was really great. The other big thing I took away from this, and I was actually talking to some of my other friends about this, is that Michael Jordan is a dick. Like, he is a dick. Like, but... You know, but at the same time, how do you argue with the results? I, I, I think of a lot of when I think of Michael Jordan, I think a lot of I see a lot of Steve Jobs in Michael Jordan. And if anybody has not read uh, the Steve Jobs autobiography by Walter Isaacson, you guys need to read that. That is an incredible story. But, you know, it's just like Jordan, like winning was his like he wanted to be the best. And, you know, if you want to win, you have to sacrifice. You have to pay a price to win. And I and I I absolutely believe that. And in fact, after the last episode, I w- I stayed on and watched Scott Van Pelt on ESPN, and they had Diana Taurasi come on, who a lot of people are saying is the greatest is in the conversation at least for the greatest female basketball player of all time. And she said that in order to win, you have to basically give up your life, and that's what Jordan did. Like he gave up he gave up everything in his existence to be the greatest of all time. Same thing with, um, you know, Diane Taurasi. She's the same thing. So like, and, and they asked them, would they do it all over again? And both of them said, of course I would. Yes, this is the life I have chosen. So at the end of the day, it really just comes down to choice and what matters to you. And to them, that's what really made them happy is being the best of all time. And now they're revered and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But for all of us, that's not going to be the lifestyle that we want to lead. You know, like we don't want to give up family time. We don't want to give up other hobbies. We don't want to give up X, Y, and Z, you know? So I, I just thought it was a very, very, very interesting, well-produced documentary and something that it's lessons that I will take with it for the rest of my life, for sure. And, you know, while I'm reading, I'm currently reading the um, new book from JR under the black hat. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another guy who um, you could relate to Michael just from what I'm reading so far as like, he put a lot of um, unnecessary pressure on himself to a certain extent where it wasn't just all the responsibilities he had as a, um, the guy who was head of talent relations, but he wanted to be the best and he wanted to be the conduit to helping the product be the best it could be. And just that overall pressure, like you're saying to, you know, you got to push yourself to a certain extent to reach what you want to uh, reach and wanting to be the best and there's insecurities and a lot of people are driven through a lot of different circumstances uh anybody who wants to be the best uh at some point in their life have had a lot of people doubt them whether it's family or family that questions the way you go about you reaching your goals because it doesn't fit the status quo um 
you know, some people are naturally gifted with certain things. And, you know, all, all of it derives of what happens in here at the end of the day. You could be talented. If you don't have no drive or anything, any ambition, it really, really it's, not, it's really not going to show. Yeah, you could accomplish some things. But I, I relate a lot to Michael Jordan in the fact that I want to be the best in what I do. I've always been that way. That's the reason why I relate to CM Punk in a lot of ways. And, you know, yeah, there is sacrifices you got to make, but I don't think you have to, like, throw away your morals and ethics to be the best, too, at the same time. And um, I I love I love you know this just the whole presentation for the last episode where it's talking about the last shot that Jordan had and that whole sequence with him uh stealing the ball from Malone and making that final shot over Russell it's like that that's even more motivating for me like i think everybody no matter what profession is you want that kind of moment uh of in utah having that shot whether it's Somebody having like a show stealing performance at a Grammy Grammy Awards show, or Undertaker Shawn Michaels having a legendary match at WrestleMania. Doesn't matter what profession is, we all want that type of moment. And I saw a video a couple weeks ago of Michael Jordan getting the Freedom Award. Uh, Freedom of Honor Award from Barack Obama a few years ago, and um, he Obama <laughs> said it perfectly. He's like Michael Jordan was the Michael Jordan of this. Like you're that great of what you do, and it's inspiring. You know, uh, everybody in life has their own flaws. Some choose to show it uh, forwardly and upfront, and be just upfront with it, and be assholes. Some people are so driven in what they do. Maybe they're blind to how they treat people that are surrounding them. You know, uh, I think that's another thing not not a lot of people really talk about. Like, I think some, I think too many times a lot of people want to fit in a certain box and think a certain way. Where if somebody is a little different and they don't go being status quo, either they're weird or they're an asshole, or they're a dick, and all these other labels you want to thrust upon them. But you don't know their journey. You don't know why they're doing the things they want to do. And it's not always this cliche, okay, hey, you're reaching your goals, go to college, get your education, and then everything's going to happen for you. I have a lot of friends that I went to high school with that are still working at McDonald's and produce stores, and they went to these big colleges and got their got their degrees. There is no exact science in how to reach your goals. Hell, I thought I was on the clear path of just playing music the rest of my life. <laughs> I got accepted to the top music school in the country in Berkeley College of Music in 2012. I wasn't able to afford the school. Uh, I went to Columbia for a year, and then I had to leave because they wouldn't let me take any music classes until my junior year. And I lumped into an opportunity at a trade school, a trade media college. I I challenged myself to bring something out of myself because I, I've I shared a story before. I I, I want to be the best in what I do. I felt like I was the best in my high school class when we were performing. I wanted to be first at everything. 
and I, that's the, the ambition I always had. It, I I still have it to this day. I pride myself, and I want to make sure that this show is the best wrestling show that's out there. I want the website to be the best transcription site that's out there. I want to be the best, but I'm not going to do it uh, just to dump my nose at people or just be braggadocious about it. But I am driven by being the best. But I, I, I'm glad you brought this up because I really think this is really like important life discussion to have with some people because just because you don't go – uh, go with life in the status quo manner does not mean that you're not driven or you're not focused on uh, what the future can hold. I'm not. I'm not a paranoid person. <laughs> I have some insecurities here and there. I, I I I said it before that my biggest enemy is myself with self doubt and stuff. But I'm not paranoid to the point where every day I'm thinking about what if this happens or what it what if that happens. Everybody knows by now my stance in the word if. If my mother had balls, she'd be my father. <laughs> so uh, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I have to worry about the things that are real and come in front of me. I can't predict what's going to happen five years from now. I'm responsible and cognizant of every single decision I make right now, and I want to make every day the best day I can be. And that's pretty, pretty much it. That's great. Well, and I've always known that about you, Josh, and I, and I know that you've you know, I remember, and you and I have talked about this on this show before. I remember, I can't remember where we were. I think we were at WrestleMania 32. Yeah. And we happened to run into Justin Labar, who is, uh, you know, he is, he's, you know, for whatever. He has had a lot of success in the wrestling industry. Right. And, you know, we were asking him, so, so you know, what, what advice would you give to people starting out? And they said, he said, keep going. You know, it's like a lot of people... They, they get started in this and they get, they're so excited or wherever. And, you know, they think that, well, I'm going to put my opinion out there and then all of a sudden I'm going to make it. Well, that's not really how this works, you know? And yes. you, you know, this is, we're, we're coming up on the fourth anniversary. I believe if I've done my math correctly in the next month or so, we're going to be coming up on the fourth anniversary of what was then the Josh Lopez wrestling podcast, which is now observed, which is now, morphed into the Hoots podcast and you've kept it going and that's awesome. And, and what I also like Josh about what you're doing is, and I've talked about this before as well. Well, many people have Dave Ramsey's talked about this. A lot of people talk about this, you know, you're bringing something new to the table, you know, a pro wrestling transcription site like that hasn't really been done before. And so you're, you're, you're bringing something new to the table and that's, you're, you're filling a niche in, in the industry because, and Corey Graves has said this before, how many wrestling podcasts are there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so it's what, you know, and I bet every day there are 50 new wrestling podcasts that are being started for somebody who just wants to go out there and give their opinion, which is fine. And then they do it for a while and then realize that they're not getting any views for whatever reason. And then they're like, okay, well, this clearly didn't work. I'm going to give up now. But, you know, you, 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 we're doing, I mean, you are, I'm a very small part of this, you know, me and, 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 Matt and Adam and you know everybody that's been associated with the show over the years we're all very small parts of the show compared well really really it's you and Adam are the are the are the ones you know we're all very small small we're the supporting cast you know supporting cast in the world. <laughs> you, know, you have really kept your nose and you've kept it going through great times through difficult times there we all know there's definitely been some difficult times in the history of the Hoots podcast but we kept it going yeah. That's great. You know, it's uh, if I may just say a couple of the things, Josh, about, uh, you know, you, you talked about 
a lot of people, I think, you know, when you talk about their, you know, their own worst enemy, I, and I think for a lot of people, their own worst enemy is themselves. They get in their own way and they, they get in their own head. And I, and I am just as guilty of this as anybody, you know, there are every day, once a day, I think, you know, can I do this? You know, my music is my career path that I've chosen and it's, it's given me some success so far. Not obviously not where I, I want to be eventually, but you know, but you just keep your nose to the grind. And it's, you know, I, I, I doubt myself every day. Like I, I have no business doing this. You know, I don't know as much as these people as much, but then you also, you have to find ways to stay inspired. And I think that that's very important as well for all of us, you know, find ways to stay inspired. I think the Jordan documentary has been a great, uh, great time, uh, you know, for a lot of people. And, and, and I know there may not be a lot of teachers and stuff like that, but you know, as teachers, we usually take the summer to to rest, recharge, you know, get a lot of reading done. So mm-hmm. I would definitely encourage everybody to take some time over the summer months and at least read one book. You know, I, I found that, uh, you know, many of my greatest mentors and people that I've talked to in life have said, I don't know anybody who isn't a master in their field that isn't at least some sort of an avid reader. And what reading does is is two things. One, if it's for fiction books, it just, it just stimulates our mind and you know allows us to you know it's 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 a very it's a way for us to kind of escape a little bit. And for the nonfiction books, it just gives us new ideas. Mm-hmm. And anytime you get a new idea, it 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 shapes your thinking. And you may agree with the idea, you may disagree with the idea, and that's fine. But right. it it stimulates thought and it and it it increases your brain. And it causes you to just get a different perspective on the world. So I and, and I know we're going off on a tangent here, Josh. And I'm sorry. No, we're, no, we're not good. But 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 it's to me, it's just so important that just getting new information and staying inspired and and always realizing that there are always going to be people out there better than you. You know, I've heard it said so many times that if you are the smartest person in a room, you need to find a new room. Because, you know, right. that, that doesn't allow you to grow and get better. You know, there's always a big circle that says, you know, uh, there's a lot of times I've seen a growth. If you see a, a big circle that says comfort zone on the outside of that circle is the word growth because nobody grows inside of their comfort zone. And I wish I wish I could diagram it for everybody. But right. <laughs> I, so it, it's just everything that you said, Josh, is so true. And, you know, you just we're, we're, we're keeping our nose to the grind. I'm excited to be on this journey with you and uh, excited to see where the, the, the podcast goes in the future. Side note. Uh, also, um, we were introduced to Rodzilla and that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be remiss for putting a ribbon on the last dance discussion without mentioning that pro wrestling was spotlighted on the probably the biggest episode of the last dance. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that that really got me excited on Sunday uh, because how many times throughout our lives as wrestling fans where people are like, it's really not that important as as to Hollywood shows or Friends or Seinfeld or whatever fuck TV show you watch. <laughs> um, it, it was just cool. Like literally, that was that was real life. That was not storyline. Dennis Rodman literally skipped a practice during the NBA Finals to appear on Nitro. Th- that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. That was awesome. And, and if you think about it, and I think I sent you a note about this, Josh, because somebody tweeted this to me. Mm-hmm. So he was – Robin was fined $20,000 for missing a required practice. However, for his appearance on Nitro, he was paid $250,000 plus got use of a private jet. 
So at the end of the day, he ended up just being a really good businessman. And he came back on Tuesday and played a hell of a game. So he came back and had a great game the next day because, and and that was interesting to me because that's how Rodman worked. And Phil Jackson understood that Mm -hmm. because a lot of coaches would have been like, no man, screw you. You're killing the team. You're done. Jackson realized, wait a minute, we need to give this guy a little bit of leeway. And then when he comes back, he's going to be in a, he's going to fit. He's going to do his role as a part of the team. Cause he also understood that he was not the star that, Jordan was the star, and Robin right. was the rebound and get the ball to Jordan. You know, the last thing I wanted to mention here with the last dance that really stood out to me was just the um, takeaways that I have about today's current NBA culture where there is no competition. People are hopping on to join other teens, super teens, and um, if you if you sneeze, you get a foul, or you, or you pass gas, you I get a that, foul. I saw that one from Stephen A. That was great. <laughs> Um, I, you know, it's crazy. Like we're born in the nineties and I, I preferred that style of basketball than what I watch right now. Um, and again, it's not a personal slight at the dude, but just talking straight up basketball, LeBron cannot lace Michael's shoelaces. (laughs) I had a, me and my stepbrother got into a heated argument about this when I visited him a couple weeks ago. He's because he kept saying Jordan was on the best team, but LeBron is the best player. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, yes, Jordan was on perhaps the greatest basketball team of all time, but he was also the leader and head and shoulders about everybody else on that team. I mean, it's just uh, LeBron James had a super team and lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA finals. That's all I have to say. (laughs) That's right. Because he was there with, because that was when he was in Miami and he had. Uh, And he lost to the Spurs, too. (laughs) He also had uh, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. Who else was on that team? Mariel Chalmers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's my Stephen A. uh, impression right there. (laughs) Mario Chalmers. Yeah. Hey, ain't no Mario Chalmers. Um, Josh, I will say, though, um, you know, and I agree with you that, you know, it's the, the flopping and all that stuff of today's game is just ridiculous. But. I will say that what I do like about it, though, it is a safer game for the players. There's less injuries. There's less. So that so that part about it is good. Yeah, we don't need any sling blades on the court. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Right. Uh, just like the the energy of the game, it's like, sure. okay, let's go glide down the court. Let's run as fast as we could to, uh, drop, to throw out some threes, some hit, maybe some don't. Um I'm not saying – of course, there's an innate skill to have to where you can shoot three-pointers at will, but um, I'd just like to see more fire and energy out of NBA games. But um, anyways, let's move on. Uh, before we get into this week in WWE, it's time for this week's edition of the Pro Wrestling Report where I give you some updates on what's going on outside of WWE and AEW. First off, let's start off with this. Uh, some fortunate sad news. Uh, I wanted to send my thoughts and condolences to the family of Chad Gaspard, uh, formerly of Crime Time, former Raw, uh, former WWE World Tag Team Champions. Um, I, I was I was a big fan of Crime Time. That was part of my uh, childhood and elementary school years. So it's hard to make everybody feel old, as I just mentioned that right now. But uh, unfortunately, Chad passed away um, doing. I don't know how I don't know if you could paint out a more heroic way to ha- spend the final moments of your life by saving your own son's life. 
And if that's not just another testament of not only how good of a person he was, but the father the guy was, I, I don't know what else you could compare that to. I mean, it just, it's really sad. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this. We've, we've seen a lot of deaths recently, more popular names that I've been surprised at, actually. And um, all of this is sad, everything going on with the pandemic and all the losses that we've lost so far and the celebrities we've lost this year. Uh, of course, I mean, look at Kobe Bryant, the guy who really idolized his life after Michael Jordan lost his life. And then I saw the other day that the, the brother, the guy who threw, who flew the helicopter, was saying that the passengers were at fault for that happening. It's like, come on, man, seriously? Uh, but, again, going back to Shad, it's just really sad. I, I enjoyed what he did in the ring. It, it sucked that Crime Time didn't have more time. But I thought for what they did, they did have a good run. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an example of something I want to bring up later as we talk about WWE and just wrestling in general. I think a lot of times we get so bogged down in the perception that every single wrestler on every single show has to be pushed to a certain extent that they all can be main event levels, whether it's women or male. And it's just unrealistic. Look at Cry Time. Were they main events of WrestleMania? Were they big-time stars in WWE while they're there? No, but you still remember them. They were still there. They did do stuff. So I think a lot of times people get so bogged down on the wins and loss records. <laughs> and, you know, the company that we're going to talk about later that I'm wearing this hoodie on right now, they don't really adhere to what <laughs> the win-loss record is. So that argument just nullified, but we'll get to that later again. So, um, Chad, thank you for the memories. Uh, thank you for the person you were and uh, my thoughts and Derek's thoughts go out to your family. So, uh, I, I'll say yeah. real quick, just one real quick thing, because uh, uh, there's one crime time segment to me that I always laugh at every single time when I think about it. It's um, when Degeneration X was kicked out of the building by coaches, yes. and they, <laughs> they had to, and they had coaches' money, and they wanted to get back into the building, so they found Crime Time and scalped some tickets to get back into the building. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that whole segment between them was like just the interaction between them was hilarious. It's like, whoa, 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 This transaction's a little light. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, and like, so they're, they're speaking, they're speaking. And then Triple H has to enter. He's like, what does he mean? It's like, give him the money, you know? And then they're like, money, money. Yeah, yeah. Money. So that's, that. I just love that crime time segment. But yeah, no, absolutely. Just such a sad, sad story. And uh, of course, thoughts, prayers goes out to the Gaspard family. He it, it's he, he really did some great things in the ring. It was clear that he was a wonderful family man and a wonderful person. And just uh, it's a crazy story, man. So sad. I forgot which SummerSlam it was, but I remember crying time backstage with uh, Mr. McMahon, William Regal, and the coach, and they're going in a circle. Money, money. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and let's not forget the times where uh, Crime Time uh, hanged out with John Cena at the expense of JBL and uh, <laughs> uh, sprained his uh, little uh, limousine that he had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so our thoughts are with the Gaspar family. Uh, also, on a lighter note, so I want to give a shout out to MLW who they're starting a new uh, project called M- MLW Anthology where they go back into the footage of when they first started in 2002. Like before Ring of Honor and all these other side companies out after the Monday Night Wars, I think Major League Wrestling is the one promotion that 
doesn't get enough buzz or do for what they actually did because they had a lot of stars before Ring of Honor, like CM Punk, and the list goes on and on. And uh, they're just uh, bringing out some cool things. So I watched their first anthology chapter um, on Saturday, and it was about um, La Parca. <laughs> or now, as he calls himself, L.A. Park. Uh, it was cool. He had a match with uh, Shocker. And then the other match they had was a, a crazy brawl that he had with Sabu uh, in 2002, which was absolutely insane. But uh, go check out MLW and the product they have. M- MLW Fusion's a really good show to watch, especially on BN Sports. They got good product out there. Not really that big on their commentary team, but um, one good thing they do have, the best interviewer, in the entire wrestling business on screen outside of Charlie Caruso, because hey, anybody that it's that, that good that could also come in as a substitute replacement for um, uh, what's her face, uh, Molly Karam on mm-hmm. first take. Uh, Charlie's awesome, but oh, yeah, she's great. Number one, without a shadow of doubt, is Canadian's uh, Canada's own Alicia Toot. So let's get that. Canada. Canada. Uh, do you guys have a particular name for lakes? No, we just call them lakes. Just regular lakes. You don't have like uh, Lake Michigan or Niagara Falls or anything. Yeah, we have a couple big ones. We have Great Bear Lake, and uh, I think Great Slave Lake is another one. But um, yeah, no, there's great. Yeah, there's. We just have other. I mean, but it's you know, my parents have a cabin on a place called Dauphin Lake, so it's you know, it's usually okay. it's something lake. It's not lake whatever, but it's 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 whatever. Hey, it's cool, man. I learned something new every day. <laughs> that that's right. what we do here at the Hoots Podcast. We have some fun. We learn some stuff throughout the show. Um, all right, Sky Dome Waterfall. That's what we'll go with. There. Sky Dome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention, um, two things actually. Uh first off, impact wrestling still gonna be impact wrestling. Uh Moose is Parading around, pretending that he's the impact, he's the TNA World Heavyweight Champion because Cesar Blanchard is stuck in Mexico, so she can't be on these shows. So they're having a tournament right now uh, to crown a new number one contender. Rhino's still on the shows every single week. I mean, he's good, but I don't know if he's main event guy anymore. But um, uh, let's see what else really stood out from Impact this week. Um, they had this team. <laughs> I want you guys to look this up on Google. Triple XL. <laughs> uh, you know, we've seen some big tag teams before, like Big Show and Kane. I think Mark Henry and Visro were a tag team before. Triple XL, are, uh, their billing weight is 801 pounds. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we got Larry D and AC Romero as a tag team. Uh, pretty funny squad there. But, um, yeah, Impact's doing Impact. I mean, I, there were some good matches this week. Uh, they had Michael Elgin and Sammy Callahan in the main event, which was pretty good this week. Uh, Michael Elgin did defeat Sammy Callahan. Uh, just the rest of the show is just is what it is. I'm not it, – it sucks for me to get into a brand, especially when Josh Matthews is your lead play-by-play commentator. It just is what it is. I never liked the dude. I met the guy in person. He's a prick. Uh, I have no regard for Josh Matthews whatsoever. Uh, anyways, uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, and then I wanted to mention NWA Carnyland. 
you know what everybody talking about how you want like character development and this stuff out of the box. Go check this out on the NWA YouTube channel. It's freaking hilarious. It's like a mix of Anchorman, uh, <laughs> Stu Bennett's the narrator of um, Cardi Land, which I think is hilarious. Um, you get a little, uh, little like life stories from the wrestlers. It, it's a really cool concept. Says they can't tape any NWA power shows until these restrictions uh, get lifted. And um, NWA Carnyland, go check out the NWA YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun to check out. So that is this week's edition of the Pro Wrestling Report. Awesome. All right. We're going to start off with Bert Carter here. This week in WWE, well, this is something I want to do as the weeks go by, as, as we continue to do these shows together. Pick out one thing. It could be positively or negatively, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, this, that really resonated with you, that maybe describes the entire week in general. Just, like, what really stood out to you from both shows? Ooh, that's good. You know, the thing that I that I keep coming back to, Josh, and something that I really enjoyed is um, – I say I don't know if I enjoyed it, but where something that I'm very intrigued by is Austin Theory actually sign and going uh aligning himself with seth rollins because and you know uh, josh i and you and i have talked about this before i i think of austin theory as the kip sabian of of uh wwe you know yes. new roman <laughs> font about as generic as you get yes <laughs> and i think him with uh zelina vega was fine i mean it, it was a good way to get him up to raw and that that's cool i have no problem with that uh, but I think he was just he was just kind of the odd person in that group. So I actually like Seth Rollins trying to really build his followers, I guess, if you want to call it that, but not in a creepy way like other wrestling promotions. Um, <laughs> so so I, I kind of like and I like how they did it. They did it very similarly similarly to how Seth Rollins found Buddy Murphy. Was Murphy? It was the exact same one. Remember, <laughs> Buddy Murphy lost his match to Alistair Black. <laughs> Think about that. Nobody said. Everybody says that Dodo doesn't pay attention to their long term things. Right. Didn't Alistair Black beat Buddy Murphy, and then Buddy Murphy joined Seth Rollins in the following match? And in this match, it has Buddy Murphy versus Alistair Black. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, 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 so to me, I'm really intrigued by that. Um, I thought that the so that, I'll, I'll say that that was my thing that I'm most intrigued about. Are we going to break down both shows? Yeah, we're going to do that. So that's the thing that I'm that I was most intrigued by this week. Okay. The thing I'm bringing up for this week is what we were talking about before we started the show today. I want to give some context on the Monday Night Messiah. And I'm scrolling up on my uh, Twitter account this, so I can bring these tweets up so I'm not talking about both sides of my ass. Uh, <laughs> uh, really quick, um, on WWE-related, I want to give a shout-out to the guys at Dark Side of the Ring for um, – just a phenomenal episode on Owen Hart uh, for, uh, to wrap up season two. It was really, really good. We need to talk about that because I actually had a chance. This is uh, I had a chance to watch it, and yeah, we need to talk about that. That was wow. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, let me read this so verbatim so everybody understands where I'm coming from here. And um, 
This is about Seth Rollins. Here we go. You can see why the Monday Night Messiah exists. It's because the universe, in quotes, did the cliche fickle 180 and the guy they wanted to be on top of the world. Put into a no-win scenario, and now it's making sacrifices for the greater good, a.k.a. doing it inspired the universe. It's really simple to follow along, to be honest with you. One of the greatest realizations when you transcribe shows when context drops in when you least suspect it. If you look back at the town hall meeting after Survivor Series, besides his title match with Drew McIntyre at Money in the Bank, Seth spent in grudge feuds with every single person he called out in that segment. Added exceptions of Charlotte for obvious reasons, and Seth hasn't renewed his rivalry with Randy Orton yet, pal. (laughs) His grudge feuds have been with KL from the beginning and now has one with Ray, who he called out for hanging out with his son instead of helping Monday Night Raw. The Monday Night Night Messiah, all of it, the genesis of it stems from that segment at their Survivor Series. Mm -hmm. And and it's not me saying that you have to like the character. Here's the thing in wrestling. You don't have to like everything. Not everything about wrestling has to make you giddy and bubbly inside. <laughs> it's okay to say, oh, I don't like the way this guy looks. Good. If that, if, if a heel looks stupid, <laughs> good. That's another reason for you not to like him. But <laughs> the way it is now in this society, if somebody has a dumb look as a heel, they use it as a knock on him as the overall performer. People are like, oh, I'm going to rip Sheamus because he looks stupid. No, you're not supposed to like Seamus. He looks like a jackass rocking that mohawk. That's the point. <laughs> King Corbin. Thank you. That's all I can say is King Corbin. You don't, you, don't not, you do not have to like every single aspect of the performer. <laughs> I think we get that misconstrued way, way too many times. Uh, let's see. Other stuff that stood out to me. Uh, I didn't think the Street Province uh, Viking Raiders needed five seconds to have the actual thing. It's not. It's not something that I'm clamoring for. I. I I'm, uh, here's the thing. Like, there's a lot of things on Raw right now that does have serious promos, where it's Edge, Ray Orton, and Seth Rollins, and the list goes on and on. I think maybe they felt like maybe have some levity in trying to get to know these guys, who they are, give them some more backstory through these vignettes. I can understand the premise of why they're doing this. I didn't think they needed to be five seconds to accomplish what they did. Um, <laughs> I did get a pop for the uh, the cop lady that was like, oh, it's okay. You're hot. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. But, <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying, though, like, I understand why they're trying to get people more interested in what they're doing than just the standard, oh, we're going to fight you. The whole thing of their feud is like anything you could do, we could do better, right? The whole thing we knew that every time the Street Profits have fought the Viking Raiders, they've lost. So when the Street Profits and Dean's get serious as the weeks come closer to backlash and that match does happen, people will have more investment into it. And again, like I said, it didn't have to be four or five segments, but again, that's part of the TV show that you just want to have threads throughout the show. Go ahead. What I was going to say is I think the reason that they did that is because of the, of the, you know, the situation that we're in right now, WWE has to be more creative to fill a three hour time slot. So they, they just needed more segments to fill a three hour show, which I understand. 
And then some people are going to make the argument, well, they should just make it two hours, but that's never going to happen. I mean, that's yeah. just, just, just get that out of your head. That's just never going to happen. So I got, I got to tell you this, man, every time they do these like vignettes around the Orlando area, especially when it's NXT and stuff too, I keep getting flashbacks of my trip in Orlando next year. Cause I actually, uh, had, um, lift rides that drove past some of the areas. Oh, nice. shooting at. <laughs> so, cool. um, uh, say is this kind of reminds me of the MVP, Matt Hardy. Uh, yes. <laughs> Right. I wonder if they're going to get a substitute and then Austin's going to come out and stun everybody or yes. <laughs> You know, I think it was no I think it was No Mercy 2007. It was in Chicago. I think they had the pizza eating contest and Tess was the moderator. You remember that? Oh my god. Speaking of MVP, MVP has been the MVP of advocates on the show uh, recently. Yeah. Everything he's doing right now with Bobby Lashley, I dig. Um, yeah, of course, you can't you can't be remiss without getting a little laugh from our truth. And uh, he he's convinced he's going to sack Tom Brady, and I think that'd be some big news <laughs> if he did. Oh, <laughs> you know he should like at a training camp. He should now. They got to be very careful because they don't want to injure him or whatever. But like very safely, you know. Set up, he sacks Tom Brady, tries to pin him, and then Gronk just kind of looks over him, you know, and just runs away or something right. like that. <laughs> you not the 48 7, 24 7, Intercontinental Television, European 7 Eleven champion. I want to know what his fatuation is with I 95 stuff. Is that just the intersection he usually drives on? I don't know. <laughs> It's hilarious. Oh, I love our truth. Oh, <laughs> oh, dude, truth is every time he comes out, I'm so happy. All right, let's backtrack a little bit to SmackDown on Friday, okay? Uh, you know, we have the GOAT. We were talking about the GOAT at the beginning of sports. Now we talk about the GOAT of female performers. And another illustration of how good this lovely woman is and her wonderful pierogies, um, <laughs> uh, Charlotte gave truth serum to Sasha Banks and Bailey yes, on Friday did. night. And, you know, that's going to be the, you guys already heard it um, in post-production already. Uh, that's the intro for this week's uh, edition of the podcast, that segment with Sasha Bailey and Charlotte. And that segment was just really good. Cause what did she say that was wrong? <laughs> Nothing Bailey does always goes back to what Bailey has always been. <laughs> <laughs> and and she's saying, "Hey, Sasha, are you are you content with being an afterthought and being a sidekick?" And here's the thing: everybody always says that Sasha Banks is the Shawn Michaels of women's wrestling. Now's her opportunity to actually prove it again. And it's not uh, oh, the company won't let her do it because goddamn, the girls on the show every freaking week. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just thought it was really interesting. Maybe you could add some more layers to when Bailey and Sasha turn on each other as well, because for whatever reason, Bailey thinks she could talk for Sasha now, and that, that they're going with this angle where Sasha can't talk, which I don't think that's the case. Um, unless they're, I don't, I don't know. I, I, that little, I, that dy- dynamic's odd, but. Man, every time I heard Bailey talk during that sound, I was like, oh my God, please stop. Especially the the boom roasted thing. Like, that's so high schoolish stuff that I just, it made my ears bleed when I was in high school. What do you think? (laughs) I think about it now. (laughs) But this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that 
that's what Bailey's trying to do. Like, no, I've, I've given her a compliment about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's playing her role perfectly. It's great. Mm-hmm. How ironic is this going to be? Because that was also one of my favorite segments of, of SmackDown this past week was Charlotte laying some truths for sure. Um, how ironic is it going to be that eventually Sasha's going to be the face and Bailey's going to be the heel in this? Mm-hmm. When they first did it, it was the other way around. So I, I, it's kind of similar to what uh, Gargano and Ciampa did, where you know Ciampa was the heel, now Ciampa's the face. So it's it's kind of interesting to see what they're going to do with it. You know, I want to do something that Miz and Morrison would do right now. Ready, Brett Carter? Fight forever. <laughs> Fight, Fight forever. forever. Yeah, there's probably a bit of a delay in that, but yes, yes, agreed. Oh, my God. Um Miss TV, by the way, Miss TV to start off the show with Otis was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I, there was a, that was a lot of dialogue to type down. That was not easy, but I was able to pull that off. But uh, it was really, really funny. Dude. Oh, yeah, look at the deltoids. Look at the... <laughs> oh, I love Otis. You know, Dude, he's Otis, fan. <laughs> Otis might end up being... The- He's going to be in the conversation for Superstar of the Year for 2020. He has to be. 2020 has been his year so far. Absolutely. I just What I will be curious to see, though, is what they do with Tucker. Because I, 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 you know, I have this feeling that Tucker's going to get lost in the shuffle, and they're going to focus on on Otis. But yeah. uh, so, Or does Tucker eventually turn on Otis? They have their match. Otis gets the win, and then Tucker, they try to repackage him down the um, road. I, I can see where you're coming from with that. I I do think I think uh, it hasn't been public knowledge, but Tucker's dealing with the injury, so hopefully it's nothing too serious. Oh, okay. Maybe okay. he does come back, and this is what they do to add more layers to what's going on with Otis and Mandy. We all know at the end of the day, Mandy's going to turn on Otis. It, it's just it's just when you know. Oh, sorry. And I, 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 let's finish up SmackDown. Then I actually want to talk about next week's SmackDown. Tomorrow? We, uh, sorry, yeah, tomorrow's SmackDown because okay. I'm very, very intrigued by tomorrow's SmackDown. Um, so, is there any? Uh, w- but we can finish talking about this past week's SmackDown, but then I want to talk about tomorrow's SmackDown. Okay. Yeah, so Otis and Braun Strowman beat The Miz and um, John Morrison main event uh, for SmackDown. Uh, we had Dan Bryan against Drew Gulak. Um, Bomb with the news with seeing that Drew got released. Um, what a way to go out uh, with a match like that. It was just really fun to watch. Uh, it's just unfortunate. I, 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 Me and Brett Hart have been big fans of Drew Gulak. I, there's a gif out there. Where's all my ghouls at? <laughs> We're right here. <laughs> I've always been a fan of Drew Gulak. I was telling Derek actually last Friday that I missed the PowerPoint presentation. Yes. But <laughs> great. Um, you know what's interesting, though, Josh, and maybe I missed it because uh, I'm just not that smart, but I didn't see on WWE.com where they officially posted his release. Have they done that? No. Which I thought was interesting because – but then I went and looked and like for Superstar Profile. Like if you type in Drew Gulak, his profile still appears on – I think it's 205 Live. So I, I know there's been reports that he's been released and, yeah. and stuff. So it's just very interesting what, what that situation is. You know – I'll give the plug right now. Make sure to go check out Burke Carter's new uh, opinion piece that we were talking about at the beginning of the show on Wrestling Rumors on that. Myself have been disconnected from a lot of the dirt cheese stuff. Like I, the rumor and innuendo stuff is like 
all over the place for me. Um, but when I saw Ryan Satin put it out, I thought there was more validity to it because he does work on backstage. So I thought that was what was happening. And, you know, his, at the end of the day, these are these performance decisions. It, did Drew Gulak want to leave because of creative reasons? Is that the thing we're just going to rush into? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to rest right now. I, I don't know why why he decided to not resign. I guess they said they they try to uh, give him a different contract and he just didn't want to resign. So <laughs> either way, I I want the best for Drew Gulak, and I've always been a fan of his. Yeah, he's you know, and it's funny he was because he was getting a great push. You know, he was getting to work with Daniel Bryan, uh, having some great matches with him. Yeah, uh, he was in the Intercontinental Championship picture for a little while. I mean, he he was starting to get some momentum, which was really cool. So, yeah, it's unfortunate for sure. But yes, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is there any way that Drew Gulak returns to professional wrestling, say in two days? Oh God. <sighs> Oh, you see where I'm going with this, Josh? Is that at all a possibility? I don't know what I'll do if I see that happen. You thought we had first take debates with Liv Morgan. <laughs> if that uh, happens, all bets are off on next week's show. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god! I don't. I do not want to have a brain aneurysm. That's the last thing I want right now. <laughs> but I, and it's funny. We were. T- I just thought about that just as we were talking. That's why I said, "Hold on, hold on, hold on," because as soon as it's just it's like all of the. I, I don't know. Let, let's continue because and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. Uh, two more things. Let's go back to Raw really quick. Edge and Randy Orton. It's official for Backlash. That started off Monday Night Raw this past Monday. What was your thoughts on that segment? kick-ass promo by both superstars. I thought it was great. Uh, I mean, both of them, they just brought it. The energy was there. I absolutely love what Edge was saying. I love what Orton was saying. Both of them are coming to this in a very unique perspective that makes it believable on both sides, where you can see where both superstars are coming from. So I think it's going to be great. I, I, I'm not sure why they're billing this as the greatest rest- – I mean, I know why they're billing it as the greatest wrestling match of all time – it's hyperbole. Right. I'm, not really but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Great, great promo to start the show. Love it. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, Edge uh, saying, you don't know how it feels to uh, prepare nine <laughs> – how to deal with being out for nine years and the grind to get there just to compete. And um, it was it was really good. Yeah, there's always hyperbole with stuff with WWE. Like, we're used to that already. Like, I do want to say this, though. I saw the double standard on Twitter. I put this out on Monday night. Um, you know, before Okada Omega, oh my god, this is gonna be better than Flair and Steamboat. Oh, WWE's promoting this is the greatest match ever. Oh, they're leaning too much on it. Here we go again with that double standard crap that it just bothers the hell out of me, man. But the, here's the thing the greatest match does not have to do with loose sets. Edge and Orton is gonna be a great match because of the story they tell Absolutely. in the ring. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing from, from Raw this week, Josh, was I was very happy to see the Iconics come back. Yes. 
that was great. Um, Big Peyton oh, Royce fan here. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, Peyton, uh, that, that, uh, that down under waterfall. Um, <laughs> but um, it's interesting, uh, Josh. I'm, I'm, I, I hope that the, the after segment where, where with the mm-hmm. Billy slap, you know, I really hope that it doesn't lead to the separation of the Iconics. I don't think it will. Um, because you know, I think the Iconics are going to get another shot down the road. But yeah, if the Iconics, if they end up splitting up the Iconics, what does that say about the women's tag team division? You know, there's not enough teams for not it at this point. That's so, what I'm. Um, I mean, and, oh, here's the thing. I thought originally Nikki Cross was going to be the one to get disqualified because I do think they they'll have their match at Backlash and yeah, for sure, it's something like. Maybe I'm raw this week or the week after. Like you have um, the iconics against Naomi. Uh, no, you have you. I, yeah, the iconics could fight Carmella and Dana Brooke. Brooke. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, or uh, you can have. Um, maybe, maybe you can have like uh, let's say like. Peyton Royce versus Alexa Bliss. If Peyton Royce wins, because she's the one that got disqualified, this is how I do it. Yeah, Peyton Royce versus Alexa Bliss. If Peyton Royce wins, they get the shot at Backlash, and that repays the slap that they had uh, on Raw this money, where Billy slapped Peyton in the, in the face, and then they obviously get the titles at Backlash. So there's a lot of voice you can go about it, but I probably have like Peyton Alexa. If Peyton can beat Alexa, they get another shot at the titles. Love it. Yes. So, uh, and then finally, uh, a great week this week in WWE for Baron Corbin. Uh, really solid match with Elias on SmackDown, and also what he was able to pull off with Drew McIntyre at the end of Raw this week. Uh, again, King Corbin is the quintessential heel in WWE, and he just delivers. Man, he's good. <laughs> I, I, for me personally, I get excited to cover his match because I know it's not going to be some jigsaw puzzle or elaborate that I have to figure out uh, as far as how he tells his stories in the ring. It's it's not like a match like Private Party where they do fucking 25 tags in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, that's, another, that's another thing I'll bring up when we get to AW in a couple minutes, but still. Um, by the way, I, I, we won't be able to talk about XC really quick because I was um, – I wanted to make sure we, we, we recorded these shows at ten, so I did. I just did a dime my article so I could get some proper sleep and get ready to record today's show for you guys. But I am. I did start uh, NXT this morning. A couple matches out of the way before we started recording the show today. So the NXT article will be out for you guys later on tonight on uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions dot com. But uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Well, I'm really looking forward to um, the takeover. The NXT takeover. It looks like we're getting. Um, uh, did they do the the Champa segment? Have you seen that yet? Yes, that was the first part of the show. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I, to I, Cross. Man, the entrance of Cross and Scarlet is just absolutely awesome. Uh, I'll give a shout out to a guy Dusty Dave uh, on Twitter, Indy underscore Dusty Dave. He's a big, big Killer Cross fan, just like I am. Uh, uh, it, it's cool, and then uh, having Tommaso Champa come out, it, they're they're gonna beat the shit out of each other. It's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> and then um, I think the last thing I saw was um, El Hijo del Fantasma beating Akira Tozawa in the the tournament matches. Uh, some really good stuff, action on NXT. But um, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Josh. I, I know we're, but um, 
Did you see the the WWE piece on Drake Maverick? Yes, I did. That's really cool. I was really glad that they did that. And I don't know if that means something. Um, uh, I hope that it leads to someday Drake Maverick coming back to WWE because you know you can tell he loves it. And I think WWE believes in Drake Maverick because I don't think they would have put that piece together if they didn't. You know, who else have they done a piece like that on uh, of, of all the released talent? So I, I hope that that leads to something. Uh, I think that would be great. But uh, uh, can we talk about uh, if you want to finish the? I, I, can we get into Smack this week's SmackDown real quick? Yes, yeah, so one thing I wanted to say that um, it looks like Drew McIntyre will fight Bobby Lashley at Backlash for the uh, WWE Championship. I think that's some good uh, piece of business there. So yeah. my last thoughts on that. Go ahead. Give a preview, if you will, for this week's uh, SmackDown. I am really, really excited about this week's SmackDown. It almost has a a pay per view feel to it. If you think about it, we're getting some pay-per-view quality matches. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> On this week's edition of SmackDown, you've got AJ Styles against Shinsuke Nakamura in the Intercontinental Championship title match. Mm-hmm. Tournament match. That's going to be unbelievable. Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, I believe, for the in the Intercontinental Championship tournament match. So that's going to be great. Um, you've got where it looks like we're getting the culmination of a feud. You're getting Otis teaming with Mandy Rose against Dolph Ziggler and Sonya Deville. So we're getting that match on SmackDown this week, which I think is interesting. Go ahead. I'll call it, I'll call it shenanigans in there. They'll have their match at Backlash. Oh, for sure. But yeah. it's, I think it's interesting that we're getting it now uh, to lead up into to Backlash. Because because I, I, we'll see, because I don't know if that's going to do something. Because they're also kind of teasing an Otis Braun Strowman thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. So I, I just – I think that there's some really – it's it's going to be a pay-per-view quality edition of SmackDown this week, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great show. Man, it's going to be good to see AJ and Nakamura in the ring again. And, uh, we got to saw that in New Orleans. I don't know why so many people don't like that match. It was great. Well, and did you see the AJ Styles break it down segment on the network? That was one of the matches he, he was most excited about was his match with Nakamura. And he even said, he's like, We've wrestled in Japan numerous times, but there was something different about what we did in the United States with 80,000 people, and it was awesome. Yeah. I don't know. People are like, oh, the crowd was quiet. I thought the crowd was into it. Did You remember when Nakamura came out with his entrance with Nita Strauss and the guitar and how live that crowd was? Oh, it was awesome. It was I, I can't wait for that. In fact, I've been doing the last – I miss New Orleans. I do. <laughs> we had a great time here, man. We had a great time. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was I was actually reminiscing the other day uh, as I was driving back home. I was popping. I was listening to some NXT themes in the car, mm-hmm. and um, I, I I went back and watched a couple times when Nakamura made his debut on SmackDown, and they brought the violinist out, yeah. and like that reaction was huge. I hope we get that again someday. And you know, it's funny, Josh. Um, you know, we were talking about Bailey earlier. I went back and watched because uh, I think you can find it on YouTube when she was introduced as Sasha Banks's mystery partner. And I think it was Battleground a few mm-hmm. years ago. The yes. she did get a huge pop then, and that was a really cool moment. And so I, I, mm-hmm. I think Bailey has there's potential for Bailey. I just don't like. I know you're not a fan of this character right now, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Rosie O'Donnell right now, but um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that Battleground you're talking about was 2016, right? Did I got that correct? I, it was. I want to say it was maybe it was six. It was her debut. It was 2016. Yeah. Yeah, because that was that was a really really cool moment. 
That was right before they did the draft, and uh, you you remember how they uh, switched up the stats and stuff too. That's right. So because I remember that, that was a really cool moment. That was a huge pop for for Bailey, and that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, in the infancy stages of the uh, formerly known uh, Josh Lopez wrestling podcast. (laughs) Crazy how much time goes by, but um. All right, last thing we're going to get into today before we head out for this week's edition of the Who's Podcast. I want to thank everybody for the support, as always. Uh, like we said at the beginning of the show, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're going to get into AEW Double or Nothing Predictions. Before we get into the predictions, I'll let Derek run out of the car like we usually do for the prediction segments. Yeah, We have to talk about Dynamite. And I wow. told Derek, I told Derek this at the beginning of the show that I have a nomination for the list of Derek Ho. Please, and this may surprise some people. My nomination is referee Aubrey Edwards. So I am able to pinpoint some things that some people don't while these shows go on, since I'm pausing like every five seconds to get a move down. So we had the tag team match last night with uh, Britt Baker and Nyla Rose against Hikaru Shida and uh, Chris Statlander. Um, Great match, by the way. Good match. Here's the thing. This happens in every single AEW tag team match, and it's coincidence that she's the referee in it. And I... <laughs> so... Okay, you guys can go back and watch it. There's a forearm exchange with Nyla and Hikaru Shida, right? They're doing the forearm thing, right? Mm-hmm. Nyla gives Shida a clothesline. Statlander, who's not the legal person in the match, comes in the ring, drops, kicks Nyla Rose, and does a pin, and the referee goes, one, two, what? Wait, I missed that. She didn't know who the legal person was? Yeah, because everybody was distracted with Britt Baker selling her injury on a ring apron. How how does a non-legal participant, whether it's male or female, go in there, do a move, and still get a pinfall out of that? What? That doesn't make uh, – come on, girl. Do your job. And I I, like, I actually like Aubrey Edwards, though. Most she times. made the list. <laughs> I, I, I watched a couple of her – I watched a couple – she made my list. Uh, <laughs> I, watched a couple of episodes, I watched a couple of episodes of her on Unrestricted, the podcast she does with Tony Schiavone. I don't know. Something about her personality just okay. turns me off. I've never seen it. So I, I can't make a fair assumption, but – Yeah. Okay. It's a tattoo match. You, you're. It's right in front of you. <laughs> it wasn't like Britt Baker was doing some scene on the outside where this distraction. A babyface, not legal, better <laughs> winning done a draw kick when she wasn't even tagged. Oh my god, man. Okay, Josh. Before we get into the prediction, oh, last thing I wanted to say with okay. this, because I thought there was some good stuff on Dynamite last night. Yeah. Mistake-wise, this is a bugaboo for myself for being in the business. The biggest enemy and the worst thing to have on television, podcasting, or radio is what? Dead air. Yes. So you have the main event of Broken Man Hardy, Sammy Guevara. Broken Man beat Sammy Guevara. Very good match. And then we see a shot of Chris Jericho on the screen, and we don't hear him for 15 seconds. I know. I know. And that's the closing segment before the pay-per-view. That's that's not good. 
No. That's not an excuse, especially when you're on live TV, too. Well, but again, how many times has AEW missed a, okay, we're going to commercial? Just kidding. We're not going to commercial, you know, or something like that. Or, or there's talking. Picture, picture. Right. Or there, or there's talking after, you know, they supposedly like they, the show is done, but they're not off the air and they're still talking afterwards or, you know, stuff like that. It's like, guys, come on. Like if you want to be taken seriously, which I'm going to plug my article here in a second, but um, if you want to be taken seriously, you've got to get all this stuff right. Like there's just, there's no room for error. That doesn't even happen in NXT, like right. NXT, which is supposedly a developmental brand. They don't make those kind of mistakes. So, you know, what is it? Ugh. By the way, Josh, um, I would like to do a quick plug of my article. Please do. Um, so I just finished this morning. I just published a piece, and it has already gotten the reaction that I anticipated that it would. Um, I, po- I, I published an opinion piece on WrestlingRumors.net that said, AEW is proving why WWE is the best wrestling company in the world. And I'd like to read, or just briefly, I'd like to read a brief example from this article, if I will, something that I'm very proud of. I said, the majority of their roster is made up of ex-WWE superstars who didn't make it up north. And now they are signed to AEW because they were the internet darlings and were the people that everyone wants to see. Mm-hmm. However, there is a reason that some of them didn't make it up north, despite how talented they are. And I'm going to leave that as a teaser right there for everybody to read the rest of the article. But naturally, if you go and look at the reaction so far, it's going to be like, oh, my God. This I, One person even said, I hope you didn't get paid for this gibberish. Like, what are you, 19 years old? <laughs> it's like poorly written article, blah, 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 blah. I actually think it was a decently written article, but maybe not the finest article that's ever been written. But naturally, the AEW, like, oh, my God, you have no idea what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. Now, are there some people that have said he's spot on? So, anyways, I don't, go- think, I, I don't, think, I don't think there's anybody in wrestling that has a perfectly written article. Let's just throw that out there. Okay. <laughs> anyways, go read the article. It's, it's picking up the exact traction that I thought it would. Um, because how, God forbid, anybody say anything negative about AEW. But yeah, you got the hive going after you today, my man. Absolutely. But hey, you know what, uh, Josh, and I know we'll get into predictions, but I actually thought Dynamite was a decent show this week. Uh, Sammy Guevara, man, this kid, he looks like a douche, but God, is he talented. <laughs> you know, like he sold, he did an incredible job of selling some moves for Broken Matt Hardy. I think he did a great job selling the... Um, twist of fate and the side effect and stuff like that. So Guevara is really coming into his own, but at, at the way AEW is going, he's never going to get a world title shot because. I wonder why Matt was throwing out twist of fates, like attitude adjustments. There was like five of them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But no, good show. Uh, good, good show this week from, uh, from dynamite. I, I actually, I really do enjoy the dynamite show top to bottom. I do, but there's just, we'll get into the predictions here in a minute, but there's just some. One thing I do want, I did want to mention, uh, getting the laugh, seeing MJF yelling at Tony Schiavone, uh, during the match with Marco stunt, uh, made my day. Um, AW, I advise you to stop having extra long matches with Marco Stunt. It's not doing the. It's not doing anybody favors. It's not doing him favors. It's not doing his opponent any favors. As much as I love MGF, there was no reason why that match needed to be two segments. <laughs> I just wanted to make that perfectly clear. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so let's go. Let's go through this, and we can mix in some stuff in between. But uh, go ahead, let's get into this. All right, as we tend to do on the podcast, that hoots coming up towards a major pay per view, and I'm going to call AEW. They've they've gotten to the point where they I now consider them. We now consider them a major pay per view. So we're going to run down the the card for this weekend, uh, and uh, we'll start with the pre show matches. We have Private Party versus Best Friends, and uh, friends. yes, I'm going to go ahead and take Best Friends in this one. I, I like what they're doing, especially the Cassidy that is is orange. Um, I love what he's doing right now. Um, yeah, I, I think Orange Cassidy is just an absolute genius performer right now. But I'm going to say that Best Friends get the win in this one. I'm going to go with Best Friends. Hopefully, there's no shenanigans with illegal covers uh, like there was on Dynamite uh, in this match, but uh, I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm going to go with Best Friends. One thing I would, as a recommendation, do not do the Okada uh, zoom out thing when they hug. Uh, Okada <laughs> gets zoom zoom out treatment, okay? <laughs> uh, but I, I love the Best Friends. I like Orange Cassidy, too. They're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And actually, Trent and Chuck Young do a good job playing their role, too. So yes. I think it's very good as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Now, I believe this next match is on the, the 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 pre-show. The casino ladder match, I believe, is on the pre-show, is it not? No. The only match on the buy-in show is the uh, private party best friends. Okay. Great. Well, then we'll, let's get into the – we'll get into that in just a moment here. Um, as announced this week on uh, AEW – Sean Spears uh, is now going to take on Dustin Rhodes because apparently all you have to do in AEW to request a match is just say that you want it and you get it now, uh, <laughs> apparently, which is what, what happened. Even the commentators were like, okay, and now Sean Spears against Dustin Rhodes because why not? Um, who do you got in this one, Josh? Uh, quick question. Are you DVRing Sean Spears' news? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, but again, you know, he's an internet darling and, and uh, you know, WWE buried him by not making the 10 gimmick work. There's a certain reason why people don't cut promos <laughs> and he's first on the list and there's somebody else we'll get to later on. Um, I'm going to go. But, there's a, but of course, you can't say anything bad about AEW or automatically you're a child. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Dustin Rhodes in this match. Sean Spears has been talking shit the entire time trying to bait Dustin Rhodes, so I think Dustin Rhodes will beat Sean Spears. Yeah, I'm going to take Dustin Rhodes too, uh, though I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Spears picks up a win. The chairman of AEW, I, I would like to see LaParca come out at some point and <laughs> give him a shot, but um, I'm going to yeah. say that Dustin Rhodes gets his redemption after the beating he got from Lance Archer on Dynamite a few weeks ago, and this is his redemption. So I'm going to take Dustin Rhodes as well. All right, next up, we have a match that I think could actually be pretty good. Um, Dr. Britt Baker, MD, versus Chris Statlander. Now, I've heard some reports that Britt Baker may be injured, so she may have injured herself this week on Dynamite. I don't know if there's any uh, truth to that, but that is uh, that is a report that is circulating the dirt sheets. I hope that there is no truth to that. Um, I'm going to take Britt Baker in this one. I think that she is absolutely entertaining and is doing great work um, in the galaxy waterfall that is um, that is Britt Baker, MD. So I've got Britt Baker in this match. <laughs> uh, continue transfunctioner waterfall. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what happened with Britt. It, look, it looked like she messed up her right knee after that double death uh, valley driver spot they did in the corner with Nyla Rose where Nyla just landed in, into her in the corner. Um, I hope she's okay. Um, if the match happens, I'll go with Chris Statlander. Okay, great. Very good. Next up, a match that I, I don't know if I'm intrigued about it, but I will be 
the the outcome of this match is going to um, is, is going to I think give me some indication of where AEW is going, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But MJF one on one with Jungle Boy. Jungle uh, Boy. Yes. Who do you have in this one, Josh? I'm going with MJF. Um, I'm sorry, Jer. I, I know how much you love uh, Jungle Jack, but uh, uh, MJF is going to beat Jungle Boy. It'll be a good match, but um, he'll uh, feel the wrath of the salt to the earth. Yes. Very interesting name for a submission hold. I got to say this really quick. I I love these performers. I respect them. But can you help me out a little bit with coming up with 10 different names for submission holds and pump kicks and moonsaults? Especially that sequence uh, yesterday after the uh, Ray Phoenix Orange Cassidy match where somebody did a uh, acai moonsault, a cabrata. Like, come on, man. Help me out here. <laughs> but, but- – uh, MJF and Jungle Boy, it's going to be a good match to transcribe. I'm looking forward to that match. Yeah, and I think I, I think that um, it's you know it's it's it's, it's interesting to see. Uh, I, I'm taking MJF as well, and I and I believe that MJF is actually the uh, the second most important part of the second most important character in AEW, and I'm yes. behind uh, Le Champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I like MJF in this as well, and I really really hope. As uh, Domino's Christos Sanctus, all that stuff. I really hope that AE that MJF is next in line for a world title shot um, because I think he they need to push him to the moon because he is he's he's one of my favorite characters in all professional wrestling right now. Is MJF? I think he's absolutely incredible. Did you see somebody on Twitter say that he's the greatest heel of all time? <laughs> okay, it's a little far, mm. but. That would be an interesting debate, Josh, for you and I to have is who is the greatest heel of all time. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm working in a wrestling company and hopefully the show's still around in five years, we could have that right. discussion. Okay, but you know, we, let's not get into this, but just as a teaser for fans because I'm curious, 10 seconds, best heel of all time, go. Triple H. I, it's exactly who I was going to say is Triple H. Yes, that's exactly who I was going to say is Triple H. Yep. I didn't have to think about it. It was Triple H. No, it's Triple H, of course. <laughs> But okay, um, okay, we're gonna get into this now. Um, the casino ladder match for the AEW World Ch- Title match: Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Scorpio Sky, excuse me, yes. Times New Roman Font, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, <laughs> Luchasaurus, and a mystery competitor. By the way, do you think you could add Cole Cabana to the Times New Roman family? No, uh, man, I, I I, I'm not saying that's not because I like Cole Cabana a lot. I do too. I just think what he's doing right now is very generic. <laughs> Josh, this match is going to tell me everything I need to know about the state of AEW. Yep. It really going to credence to the article that you just put out today. I I think that the I I believe and it's hard to say but I, I think that the mystery compo- the mystery competitor is going to be an ex WWE guy that's going to yeah. debut and I believe that the mystery competitor is going to win the casino ladder match and I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to I going into this I was going to say it was he's going to be actually I think it was Okay, so here's my evolution of the week. Going into uh, yesterday, I thought it was going to be Rusev. 
Mm-hmm. Someone on Twitter said maybe EC3. And I said, well, that's not. But based on our conversation today, Josh, I'm going to say it's Drew Gulak. I think Drew Gulak is going to enter, win the ladder match, and is going to get uh, an AEW world title shot. Zack Ryder oh. will win <laughs> the oh. casino <laughs> ladder match. Yes. Zack Ryder as a heel costing Orange Cassidy the match <laughs> will be the winner of the ladder match. I I like that too. It's woo woo woo. I don't want it. No, 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 no. Oh God. Okay. What if it was? Uh, yeah, because Kurt Kurt Hawkins is still with WWE, isn't he? No, he got released too. What if, what if it's Kurt, what if Kurt Hawkins comes out with Zack Ryder is a distraction, and then want, Zack Ryder climbs up and wins? You want a dark horse? Sure. That's not WWE related. Uh, Brian Cage. Oh, I'd actually be okay with that. Uh, Brian Cage has been on Impact in months, so I I would go with Brian Cage as an option. He was know. he actually was okay in Impact. I, I didn't mind Brian Cage. Man, <laughs> they love their big uh, Brock Lesnar frame guys. Man, you can have like a Fatal Four Way: Wardlow, Brian Cage, uh, Luchasaurus, and Jake Hager. <laughs> Greatest match of all time. <laughs> hey. You want to talk about a Times New Roman font match? Oh God! <laughs> That's- uh, okay. All right. Let's move on before before our podcast becomes you know banned Absolutely. by by yeah because 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 again God forbid. But no, in all seriousness, Josh, this match is going to tell us everything we need to know about AEW um, going forward. Okay. Um, let's get into the championship matches next because I actually think that. Um, a championship match. I hope a championship match does not close the show. Um, and and we'll get into that in a bit. But let's go with the championship matches next. Let's start with the women's championship match. We have Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida. No DQ, no count out. Josh, who do you have? I'm going to go with uh, Hikaru Shida to – no, actually, I'm going to go with Nyla Rose to retain her AEW Women's World title. Uh, I will say this, though. Um, I would hope – that AEW realizes that you don't need to outstretch the length of Hikaru Shida matches every single week. feels like she has the longest matches every single week on Dynamite and Dark. But I like Hikaru Shida, but I'm going to go with Nyla Rose to retain in this match. Yeah, I have Nyla Rose as well. Uh, I think she's doing great things, and it's clear, it's clear that they're building the division around her uh, for sure. But um, I like what Nyla Rose is doing. Um, I also like what Hikaru Shida is doing. Um, I hope that eventually the AEW women's division, because right now it's it's okay. They're, yeah. they're, 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 you know, it's it's not bad, and there's there's some great performers, but there's nothing about it that really stands out to me, like the Raw women's division, which has I, I just top to bottom. I, I truly believe has the best roster um, of any brand right now is the Raw women's division uh, yes. for, for, for women's wrestling, with NXT being a close second. Um, but uh, but I've got Nyla Rose retaining as well. Okay, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to reclude uh, Impact's knockout division in that list too. Okay. I'll put it like this is three or four. But go ahead. Um, very cool. Okay, another match that I think is going to tell us a lot about AEW is the finals of the TNT Championship. You have Cody 
versus Lance Archer with, for some stupid reason, Mike Tyson as the presenting the belt as the enforcer or whatever the fuck it is he's going to do in this. And and again, you know, proving why a WWE is the best in the world um, because they're bringing him as an enforcer, much like they did at WrestleMania 14. Um, (laughs) I'm going to take Lance Archer with Cody still chasing the title. But I could also be, because I'm afraid, Josh, and you actually make up a very, very good point of this. If Cody's going to do the whole Jeff Jarrett thing, um, you know, and him being the the owner of the company that also wants to get the championship. But I'm going to say Lance Archer with Cody chasing after this. I'm going with Lance Archer. I want to say I really enjoyed the segment with Arn Anderson and Jake Roberts last night. It, it, it wasn't something that I was marking out for, but I thought it was pretty good for what they were going for. Um, yeah, okay. I, I'll say this, though, going to your tie with the Jeff Jarrett thing. I thought Arn's reasoning about Cody uh, trying to justify that he needs the championship was a little off because, no, you do not need the title just because you're – that just played into everything I mentioned about the comparison. Oh, I need this to show my leadership that I'm doing the right thing and all this is worth it. And all the- it's cool, cool. And this could be an awesome match, by the way. I think this match could be great. It's going to have some good action. It's going to have some good storytelling. I think this match could be really good. It may, may even steal the show. But I'm not getting my hopes up. I think Cody Rhodes will win even though I want Lance Archer to win. And unfortunately, I think Lance Archer is going to get knocked out by Mike Tyson. Um, oh. And that's not going to be a good look, but uh, AW probably want the mainstream media clicks that they could probably use right now. So um, Cody Rhodes, new TNT champion, and Mike Tyson knocks out the Murderhawk monster. Okay. Very good. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> The AEW World Championship match. Okay. John Moxley versus Brody Lee, the leader of Exalted One. And I I think I'm going to let you go first on this one, Josh, because I have some thoughts. But go ahead. This is what I've been waiting to say for the entire show. You know how many times people get released by WWE and they're like, oh, my God, you're going to see what they could do really when pushed right and give the proper opportunities. This is the example of that it's not always the same case for every single person that gets released. I love Brody Lee. I think he's a great wrestler. But there's a reason why you don't have him start your show and cut promos, let alone two promos. (laughs) The second one where he's just rambling, trying to figure out what to say. And he's like, all you had to do was ask to get the title back. Like, come on. Man, <laughs> um, I did my rant on this match a couple weeks ago. We already established my feelings. It's this is way too much and way, way too soon. Yeah. Um, this is not gonna take away anything about this being the probably one of the best matches on the show. But is this some honestly? This is a question I have for everybody. You can respond to me at the Who's Podcast or at Derek Stalin. Is this the match that you feel should close the show on Saturday night? Because if it was me, it certainly would not. No. Absolutely not. Uh, so, I- as far as my prediction is concerned, 
I'm going with John Moxley to retain against Brody Lee. And uh, we'll see what Brody Lee does as an attack after the match or uh, something. But um, it's not like Brody Lee could go hijack backstage and attack Renee Young. <laughs> right. Make it more personal. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, it's just it's an odd pairing at the wrong time. But um, John Moxley will still be your AEW world champion. Okay, so Josh, here's my problem with this match is that to me, this is a lose-lose situation no matter yeah. how this plays out. Yes. I also think I also think that John Moxley retains as well. Um, but okay, so here's the problem. If Brody Lee wins, this you're you're basically pushing a guy that in my opinion does not deserve to be the face of your show as a guy that can just come in within one month and all of a sudden become the top guy in your company. While, whether, <clears throat> while there are incredible performers like MJF, right. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, um, Orange Cassidy, all these homegrown AEW guys that would be a perfect way to, to boost your company who, 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 who can be the actual face going forward. So I, don't, I, I think that Brody Lee does not deserve to be the AEW champion. So, but if he wins, to me, it's just like you have an undeserving guy as the face of your company as you're trying to build legitimacy for your brand. But if John Moxley wins, you've basically killed the whole Dark Order storyline because you know the, the as, as the exalted one, that one that's going to lead him to the promised land. Well, within one month of being the exalted one, you lose on the grandest stage possible. So, what does that say about you as an exalted leader? And the storyline of the Dark Order, unless AEW is trying to kill the Dark Order storyline because they just realized it isn't working, which I've tried to get into Dark Order, but I just I can't do it. And I know, Josh, you and I have talked about this before. You just you can't get into the whole Dark Order thing. Yeah, like I enjoyed the Dark Order before Brody Lee joined the group. Right. <laughs> I started to get into it. Think about that. Luke right. Harper joins the group and it goes boom, 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 boom. Right. So I, I've got John Moxley retaining as well, and which I think the match is going to be good. Don't get me wrong, but I just I think this is a lose lose situation, no matter how how it plays out. So we'll see. And then the final match of the evening, which I hope closes the show, and I think it should. But if it once again, if it we are going to learn a lot about AEW at the end of this pay-per-view. I, re- I really do, about where they're going or where they are as a company. But to close the match, or to close, or what I think is going to close the show, you have the Stadium Stampede match. We're finally getting the Blood and Guts contest that we were, were promised a while ago. You have the Inner Circle, <clears throat> Le Champion, Chris Jericho, Santana and Ortiz, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara versus the Elite, Kenny Omega, the Bucks of Youth, Hangman Adam Page, and the wonderful Damascus, Matthew Hardy. <laughs> and I've been going back and forth in this all week. I'm going to take the inner circle to win this match. Um, as, as, and I think that they're going to continue the descent between Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page uh, and going forward into the summer months. Um, I, I think this go back and forth. You could justify either team winning. But um, I think there's going to be some shenanigans and some odd dissension amongst the ranks. And I have the inner circle winning this match. 
You know, I I don't know how it was for WCW when they had like ten man tag team matches with the NWO, like how the match layout is. So I'm curious to see how that goes with this being in the football stadium and this, obviously there's no rules or uh, disqualifications. So uh, anything goes here. Um, I, I'm sure it'll be a Donny Brook. It'll go all over the place. Probably have the crappy Judas effect. Finish the match. I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I do think the inner circle will beat the elite, but broken Matt will be taking the L here. Uh, and um, yeah, I do agree. You'll have um, this, this um, little little friction there with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, but I do think I'll make, uh, that Matt Hardy will take the L to Chris Jericho and mm-hmm. the uh, Juice Effect and uh, the Inner Circle will win. But um, I'm, I'm curious to see because me personally, I'm not the biggest fan of the Inner Circle. Um, I like Chris Jericho, what he's done. I like Sammy Guevara. Uh, it's like Hager and Ortiz and Santana have been useless to me at this point in this group. So um, it'll be a fun match. We'll get a lot of super kicks. We'll get a lot of crazy spots and stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Rest in peace, my typing figures, by the way. <laughs> right. Um, but um, it should be a good match nonetheless. So I'm going with the inner circle to defeat the elites. <laughs> Conka. <laughs> and I believe that's it. So it's going to be a great car. Uh, it, it's it's. I have high hopes for this contest this weekend, Josh. But like I said, I really think that we're going to know where AEW is headed as a company following Double or Nothing. I really do. Be on the lookout for Vanguard Dose. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or Vanguard. I will say I would love to see Senior Benjamin bring oh. Vanguard. Two back to life or something like that. I actually think that could be pretty funny. If, if, if. Senior Benjamin prepared the football stadium for <laughs> the battlefield for the Great War. Oh my God! <laughs> Some of those promos were gold. I, I still, I still love those man. Oh, great. Okay. Last thing I'll mention here before we close this week's podcast. I want to throw this out there in the the circle out there. I think there's a good possibility that Shane Meek Mahan is the messenger. And I can explain why in the next coming episode. So I just want to leave there just a thought. You could let us know who do you think is the hacker? Who is the messenger, if you will? Uh, since that's the name that they're going with the Twitter account, right? WWE Messenger. Um, I think it's Shane Meek Mahan. And it, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, but um, it, it would make sense because why would Shane McMahon care about everything that's going on the show? Hey, he was the commissioner and general manager of SmackDown, so I like it. Uh, I like it. Some shenanigans, some boardroom shenanigans where uh, <laughs> Ty and Tyler said, Hey, Shane, you're back, you got your job back, and he's just gonna cause secure chaos. So, uh, Shane Meek Mahan, the messenger, I like it. On that note, we're gonna wrap it up. I want to thank you guys so much for checking out episode 206 of the Who's Podcast. Make sure to check out Brett Carter on Twitter at Derek Stoughton. Make sure to check out his article that he just posted out on WrestlingRumors.net. Uh, why AEW is proven why WWE is the best wrestling company in the world. 
I am on Twitter at the Hoops Podcast. Make sure to follow me on Instagram if you like at Josh Lopez94 at Josh Lopez Music. Also, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And, um, you know, around uh, every other week or so, I find a way to hop on uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with my mentor, Jonathan Hood from ESPN 1000 WMPP AM and your radio, radio dials. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast, positively or negatively. And I just wanted to make a little announcement here. Next week, joining us here on the podcast that hoots, it's Matt McCool joining us to review AEW Double or Nothing. So for Brother Carter, I'm Brother Adam. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's episode of the Hoots Podcast. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, enjoy Double or Nothing, and we'll be back here next week. Uh, yes, sir. Don't forget to be, Josh. All oh, last thing, don't forget to be the authentic product that is yourself. Amen. Love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>